0: This afternoon, I preach to you the Word of God as we, the church summarizes and confesses it in Lord's, Day, Lord's Days 2 and 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism. We'll read these together. If you'd like to read along, you can find Lord's Day 2 on page 518 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses, from where do you know your sins and misery? From the law of God. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Can you keep all this perfectly? No. I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? No, on the contrary. God created man good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him, And live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where then did man's depraved nature come? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the spirit of god <clears throat> beloved congregation of our lord and savior jesus christ in order to explain the whole christian faith in his time and in his day a 16th century theologian named john calvin he wrote a, a big book four volume book titled the institutes of the Christian religion. And he started off this explanation of the Christian faith. His his first chapter, his first point, was the assertion that without knowledge of self, there will be no knowledge of God. And we confess the same thing in this church when we confess together that in order to live and die in the joy of the comfort of the gospel, the first thing we need to know is how great our sins and misery are are. We need to know who we truly are before we know and understand who God is, before we can experience the depths of the abundant joy that is promised to us in Jesus Christ. And we praise the Lord for showing us the light of his law so that we can understand our own situation. And I preach you the gospel under this theme, God's law reveals who we really are. And we confess. It's an introduction. Let me introduce myself. I underwent a heart test and I can't live without God's grace. So let me introduce myself. We can confess that. We can all say when I began life as two cells, the world was open before me. Although my genetic structure would influence my brain, and physical characteristics, which could in turn influence my mind and soul, I was born with the potential to learn any language and adapt to any culture in the world in which I would be nurtured. And as I grew older and my body developed, the world before me opened up to present a host of opportunities and I thought I knew a lot, could do anything. The healthy teenagers in our midst understand what I'm talking about. But it didn't take long. And I also learned I couldn't do everything. Was moving out of high school, looking, I realized there were things I didn't like. I didn't like everything. I wasn't equipped to do everything. I wasn't good at everything. So I made a choice to focus on some things. And I applied myself to those things in the hope that I could be the best in in my area to the glory of God. But along the way I found out that of the few things I did, nothing could be done perfectly. And I find it's not hard to be regularly disappointed in myself. We confess, let me introduce myself. In my God-given vocation, I face many limitations and weaknesses. I really want to do things better. So I'm quick to find weaknesses and faults in my life that I want to overcome. I'm often impatient with my slow progress and I tend to think that other people are, are further along on the road to sanctification, health, and contentedness than I am. If you use an analogy, I often see others like perfectly manicured gardens. And then the envy and mixed with the pride within myself convince me that I can and should be that same finished garden all the time. And so I'm embarrassed when people see me in the process of sanctification, still working on the garden of my life to make it look pleasing to God, my dirty hands, my sweaty brow, piles of weeds all over the place. I don't like to be seen learning, making mistakes, tripping, cleaning up messes, and sometimes I think that something is wrong with me if someone sees me while well, I'm still under construction. And when I tie my intrinsic worth and value to the opinions of others, what I, what I think they are, they are seeing in my life, I have a tendency to try and hide my weaknesses and my faults and my failures. I guess I... Sometimes think that if I can convince others that I'm godly and happy and healthy and capable, then I must be those things. And if I fail to convince myself that others see me as such a person, then I must not be. I often can see that my envy mixed with pride makes me a slave to the opinions of others. And by the grace of God, I I don't like that hypocrisy in my life. I don't mind to tidy up my appearance, my house, my behavior, to ensure that others feel at ease in my presence, but I never want to forget who I really am. I pray every day that the Holy Spirit will lead me into a life of biblical humility, with a healthy self-awareness, a willingness to accept who I am. The personality tests that used to be the sole property of stuffy psychologists are becoming widely available, popularized, because new attention is being paid to a person's emotional well-being as it relates to their self-awareness. You can Google it, you can find all sorts of personality tests online. Personality tests gather information about your work habits, the way you interact with people around you, how you prefer to use your free time, what others might say about you and what you think about yourself, and then they give you a list of adjectives that describe your character. It puts you in a category, introvert or extrovert, adventuresome, relationship-oriented, etc., etc., all sorts of adjectives. And it's good. It's good to, to gain self-awareness about the things that you value in your life, the defense mechanisms that you've adopted because that helps us to, uh, it helps equip us to deal with the different personalities around us that we may encounter in our congregation, our workplace, our family, marriages, However, after a while, we, we discover that these personality tests are largely superficial because although it might be helpful to know that I'm orange or, or green or blue or gold, if you've taken a test, you know what I'm talking about, these tests never really deal with the issues way down inside me in my heart, the, the ones I, I keep seeing. A person could acknowledge their addictions, they could acknowledge their personality defects or personality strengths, they could acknowledge their physical defects or strengths, and still not truly understand who they really are. If we only used these human-made tests to introduce ourselves, we would give a faulty picture of ourselves, a faulty picture of our our needs, and as a result, we would only find solutions that do not help us where we need it most. You can take anger management courses, you can take physical training to try and prove those weaknesses, but we still miss the main point. Let me introduce myself. I cannot discover who I truly am and what I can do about my misery without revelation from God Himself. By the grace of God, we confess, in Lord's Day two, the Lord has not left us to figure it out on our own. In order that we don't miss the only complete satisfying solution, the Lord Himself has produced a divine personality test that helps you test and see the very heart of your being. You can find this test in the cloud, revealed upon Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given to the people of God and later summarized by our Lord Jesus in Matthew 22. We could take a look at this heart test in our second point. God's law shows us what we're really like. Romans 7 really highlighted that point, verses 7 and 8. What is the law? It shows us what we're really like. And it does it not just by comparing us to other people, like those popular personality tests of our day, but it examines our heart by comparing us to the way that God created us. The law is good and righteous and holy, Romans 7, verse 12. And we confess in Lord's Day 3 that God created people good and in his image in true righteousness and holiness so that we might rightly know God, our creator, heartily love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him compare your life to that? How does your life compare to the way that he he made you? Now, we don't enjoy this test as much as the other personality tests because it shows us very clearly that since the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise, our nature became so corrupt and so totally depraved That we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 3. Since God's law requires love for Him and love for our neighbor, that that demands our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, our, our head and our heart and our hands, that law shows that I am a sinner. Now, just as a crime is disobeying the law of the land, a sin is willfully doing things that God has uh, prohibited. That's a sin of commission. And also failing to do things that God has commanded. That's a sin of omission. And so if we want to be honest when someone asks, hey, who are you? Or what are you like? Well, after we have given our name, and some adjectives that distinguish us from other people, we also need to share the result of God's heart test and confess, as we do, I am a sinner with a sinful nature that is inclined to hate God and my neighbor. Now, this doesn't mean that we're as evil as a person possibly could be. It also doesn't mean that there is no good whatsoever in our hearts and lives. We, we have a confession too about the light of nature. You can read about that in the Canons of Door, chapter 3, 4, articles 3 to 6. However, we need to say we are sinners because the Bible has shown us we were conceived in our mother's womb in a world that was under the curse and now we have a heart and a will that are proud and inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Besides being outgoing or shy, a planner or a person who likes to act spontaneously, the Bible tells us and we confess that we have willfully turned away from the beautiful creatures that God made us to be. When we hear the summary of the law, that our Lord gave in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, that God made us to to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We can only conclude with Paul in Romans 7, verse 14, the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. If you truly want to understand me and know what I am like, what you yourself are like, You need to know the truth that God has revealed about me, about us in Romans 7. Romans 7 reveals that the law shows who we are. It's a divine personality test. But it also teaches us a lot about the sinful nature that remains, even in the hearts of those who believe in Jesus Christ and have the Holy Spirit. It's it's given in the context of Romans 6, where he says he's dead to sin and alive to God And Romans 7 then investigates how we react to God's righteous and holy and good law. The heart test that our Lord gives to us does not only require us to compare our lives with the law of God, just to see what needs to be done, but this heart test actually makes us run through it to to, to live our lives in love. And this is where we really see who we are. It's not just what we want to do, it's looking at what we are doing. And Paul says, because when we look at it, we discover that even when we know what needs to be done to have abundant peace and success and and joy in our lives, we can point to it. Romans 7, verses 15 to 16, 15 to 19, shows we, we cannot do it. We find that we cannot do it. The heart test reveals that my biggest problem is not a lack of knowledge about what is best for me, what needs to be done, but a lack of ability to carry it out. It's like a coach who says he knows how to win games with the players he has, but he can't actually win a game. But even more, the sinful nature is so bad, says Paul in Romans 7, that when we hear that we shouldn't do something, immediately we want to do it more. Paul talks about this struggle when he talks about how our sinful nature just wants to spite the law. It seizes the opportunity presented through the commandment and makes us covet the very covetousness that God said we shouldn't desire. Romans 7, verses 10 to 11. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. The pride of our sinful nature makes us naturally disposed to rebel against authority. That is why what is called reverse psychology works so well on little children. If you want them to eat their vegetables, you put a sign on it or you tell them that they can't eat vegetables. And all of a sudden, they want to. Ever since the fall into sin, disobedience has always been a sign of independence for us. It actually helps our ego to affirm that no one is going to tell me what to do. From interrupting grade school children to immature adults swearing and getting high or drunk on weekends or older people who have convinced themselves that God's law doesn't have authority over the way they behave in their marriages or in their workplace. Our sinful nature makes us see the commandments as a list of ideas of more sins that could be committed. And Paul's teaching us the Holy Spirit shows us that in, in Romans 7, the divine heart test of the law shows that every inclination of my heart is so strongly slanted to hate God and our neighbor that mere awareness of right and wrong is not sufficient to cause me to choose what is right. We confess that we must conclude with Paul, verse 13. Sin was producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful. Beyond measure, the heart test applied by the Holy Spirit in Romans 7 shows who I really am. The readout brings me the conclusion that although I know what to do to have peace with God and my neighbor, and I have the Holy Spirit within me who who makes me want to do those things and even hate those sins, I continue to choose sin against God by my failure to love Him and my neighbor with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Basically, the heart test has shown that I remain dead and sins unless God does everything to save me and give me life. I can't live without God's grace. Well, brothers and sisters, the famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry, Angry God, it has been preached already. It is a message that the complacent need to hear. Preaching about sin is important for people who are new to the faith so that they will be driven to repentance and work to destroy the pride that is hindering their hearts from seeing the gospel. Our children need to be told about their sinful natures as well. Otherwise, they won't understand themselves. They won't understand the misery that they see in the world around them. But once we've heard the message, and it, it clicks, and we say, ah, that explains a lot. We understand what the Bible reveals to us about sin and our sinful nature. What we found, we don't need others to keep telling us that we are sinners. Those among us who have the Holy Spirit within them, brandishing their conscience as a sword that accuses them, we're not here today to once again hear that we are sinners. We have undergone the heart test. We have examined our lives. We know who we really are. But we also know that God will not treat us like we deserve. We are the ones who can really celebrate today. For God's grace shines more brightly for those who understand who they are, who know their sins and the, and the source of their sins. So we are not here today to, to wallow in our sinfulness, and our misery, to pay a lot of attention to that, but to give thanks to God that even though we are sinners, we we know that, humbly we confess it, and we are incapable of, of obeying Him, even wanting to, we just do the wrong thing, God still delivers us from His wrath in His only Son, Jesus Christ. Psalm 51 declares that God will not refuse a broken and a contrite heart. He will not refuse you if, if that's how you present yourself. If you know who you are, you have that full self-awareness, even if that heart is not able to carry out what is right. And that is why the words of our confession in Lord's, Day, Lord's Days 2 and 3 are so important to speak at the beginning of every meeting with the Lord, to come before him with with that heart. And we say it together with Paul, O Lord, have mercy on me, a wretched sinner that I am, and rescue me from this body of death. Instead of bringing our strengths to God, we bring our weaknesses to him, and we confess before the Lord that we believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and we need his grace, we know the only answer to the problem that the heart test has revealed. His name is Jesus Christ, the son of God, because it's through his work that I am set free from the guilt, from the punishment that my sins deserve. And through him that I am restored to the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. I need Jesus Christ at the very deepest level of my being. I need to know and be assured that God will no longer hold me responsible for those sins I see in myself, the sins I have committed, the sins I am committing that he will never make my salvation conditional on my perfection. I need to be delivered from this body of death. There is nothing that I need to hear more than that the, the declaration that my sins are paid for, they have already been punished, and that my salvation depends only on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that it is a, that is announced to me as something real. And this is the gospel I may proclaim again today. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. He has delivered everyone who believes in him from this body of death. This is the gospel we need To hear the gospel, we need to tell ourselves every day. The accuser is quick to point out our sin. The word devil means accuser. The accuser is quick to point out our sins. But God gives us an answer that we may use to retort back, yes, by nature, I am inclined to hate God and my neighbor. And yes, you can still see evidence of that old nature in many things I've said and done. I see it myself, I hate it. But that is not the end of the story for me. For after giving me faith in Jesus Christ as my substitute, God has graciously decided to judge me based on what Christ has done rather than on what I have done. And since Christ is perfect, and Christ is without sin, that is how my heavenly Father sees me. And he loves me so much that he even dwells in my heart by his Holy Spirit. And I can see that. I can see it because I I want to do what is right. Right. I can see that the law is good. I'm even beginning to to fight against and flee from sins so that I'll be better equipped to walk with the Lord. That's what I really want to do. I can't live without God's grace. And now that I've experienced his mercy and his grace to me, I strive with every bone of my body to heartily love him And live with him to praise and glorify his name. Just like he made me to do. That is why I I love to go to church. and Worship him twice on every Sunday. It has everything to do with what we confess in Lord's Days 2 and 3. It's real. I see it. It gives me joy. As God's people we confess together. When you meet me. And you look at my appearance and you hear my name, my profession, and my personality profile. Remember that I, like you, have a sinful nature that causes me much misery. There is an ongoing struggle within my heart. Please be patient with me when the sinful nature shows itself. For I need Jesus Christ just like you do. And I, in turn, will ensure that the grace that has been shown to me will be heartily and joyfully extended to you as well. I know very well that I cannot live for a moment without God's grace. That I'm here today only because God is working within me. And though the accuser, our consciences, in the world may condemn us by pointing to the law of God and, and catching us every time we, we don't show love to God or, or to our neighbor, the Lord tells us that we who believe in Jesus Christ will not be condemned. He will not condemn us because his judgment is based on the righteousness of Christ for us and in our place. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is therefore no condemnation for we, for us, who are in Jesus Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen.